Welcome to the Creative Land Podcast Network. Join us as we share our favorite RPGs, one-shot games, tabletop games, reviews of items, and convention panels, and other exciting things that we run into from time to time. Sit back and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Kelly, a.k.a. Trixie from Ragnarok and Roll, a sign to Ragnarok story, and Tilda Wimblewick from D&D Journey of the 5th Edition. First off, I would just like to say thank you to everyone for listening to our varied adventures, as well as for rating us on iTunes and RPGpodcast.com. If you haven't rated us yet, we would greatly appreciate it if you could. And if you're looking for more ways to support our efforts, we are now on Patreon, a great site where you can help us continue making more podcasts, as well as some special surprises for our patrons. If you can, please look us up at www.patreon.com cppn. Every little bit helps. And again, thank you for listening. Hello, it's good to see you again. This is my first panel that I get to you get the virgin fold here. The virgin ah. fold. Ah, there we go. Good morning, everyone. Hello. Good morning. You want you want you want the hard copy? Polishing the spoons for a creative yeah. life. Just, oh my gosh. I feel like the Grand Arbiter has spoken to you. <laughs> Maybe psychically. Well, you should hear it very Oh, yes, but that looks shifted. Well, it's just adventure time. All right, I'm taking a picture of my care packets. Yay. Yeah, this is because the Grand Arbiter needs to know that you're Yeah, right. Okay, so we are at 10, which means we can start. Fancy. Oh, oh, well, channel what? What was Jeff's character? Oh, um, uh, so he was um, Long. Yeah, no, he was, was like uh, the vampire large Lebrat. Vampire Lebrat. 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 Superheroes, which is a nonprofit or charity organization promoting mental wellness through geeky observation, and I'm happy to be here. Yay. I'm Kelly Springer. I am a I work full time in a regular job, but then I practically have a second job uh, costuming. I've been costuming for decades, um, and uh, I uh, suffer from uh, bipolar. Yeah, and a very nice. Thank you. So and we're happy that you're here. Delight. Yes. 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 What? Oh, 
Bundy, please introduce <laughs> yourself. Cable vibrating. It's, it's my fault. I should I'm, make silence. Yes. So I'm, a, I'm Wendy Trinkus, and uh, I've been doing costuming, creative stuff for a very long time as well. Um, although not nearly to the quality of this, because I hate to sew, so I'm more of a biscuit. Anyway. Um, I have a, a laundry list of autoimmune diseases as well as ADHD, and I work full-time, and right now I'm also at school full-time getting my master's degree, so this is, this is kind of my relaxation chaos. So. Well, since we're all doing full disclosure, my name is Madame Askew, and I do know that uh, there's a difference between reality and fantasy, so I don't have that problem. Um, but I do have PTSD, and I also have chronic fatigue, a knee that has betrayed me many times, and um, I suffer with uh, some sort of impaired immune system. Um, I had a terrible case of mono five years ago, and I never have gotten completely better from that. So uh, when you see me getting ill, it's because I am allergic to the world. <laughs> we need to we need to join our immune systems. Whoa. Then we will be normal people. Then we will have one immune system. Yes. Um, oh yeah, and I have an anxiety disorder. It just like adds a little spice to life. So um, we are all spoonies or related to to you know we relate to that idea. Who here knows what the spoon metaphor is? Right. So we have some people who are new to that concept. So would one of you like to tackle uh, explaining spooning, spoons? I would love to start and then if you will correct me. So the spoon <laughs> metaphor is that everyone has a certain set of spoons in their mental or physical silverware drawer. And your task is to spoon out whatever you need to do for the day, you only have one scoop in each of your spoons. So some people are gifted with many, many spoons in their drawer so they can accomplish, you know, if I'm trying to dig a pile out of my sugar bowl, then I can, I, if I've got many spoons, I can make a pretty big dent in that pile. If I have few spoons, but very large spoons, again, I can make a pretty big dent. But once you run out of spoons, that's all that you can take out. Day. That's all that you can do. And so there might be times where you've got a very large spoon or very many spoons. And there are times when you've got like one in your drawer and all you can do is what you have with the tools that you have in front of you. And so part of this panel is discussing what we can we do to make the tools that we have, whether they're really, really effective or maybe more limited, what can we do to make them more effective with what we have. Or uh, what we can do to help increase our number of spoons. Um, but the spoon metaphor uh, gives us a way to verbalize um, what's happening without going into too much detail. I can go to my husband and say, honey, it's a really low spoon day. <laughs> and he'll know, okay, it's like, don't like throw tons of stuff at me, don't, you know. I only have so many spoons that I can dish out for the day and once I've reached it I mean it won't be it's it, it's not gonna happen I uh, I saw a metaphor a gaming related metaphor 
that I really love that is uh, the same concept as, as Spoons is if you play Dungeons and Dragons, you have you only have so many spell slots and different levels. So level one spell slot might be you know waking up with your alarm, and uh, level three spell slot might be taking a shower that day. And if you suffer from chronic pain, that that is a serious that's a real thing. Um, you know, getting up in the morning takes either one level one, or if you use the, you just don't have it, you can do that, you can forego that shower and actually get out of bed in the morning. It just depends, it's variable. But, um, but using, using, you only have so many spell slots at different levels, and different tasks are different levels. So you can borrow from the high level to do a low level function, but then you don't have that anymore. And so that's that. It's a similar kind of concept with the, the the spoon theory. That's that's so that's why we use spoonie as as kind of a high high ideal with some sort of chronic illness or something that makes it more difficult for me to function on a day to day basis, where it might be invisible and people don't see it. That but and at the end of the day, you're just you're spent. There's nothing else you. Um, and sometimes that end of the day is the middle of the day. So, you know, it's just, all right, I'm done. I have to go to bed because there's nothing else I can do today. My body or my brain or something has just given up. I'm done. And people, so using spoon theory, people who understand spoon theory, if you say, I, I have used all my spoons today, somebody can at least understand, okay, this person has hit their limit. They need to go do you know, some self-care. So, Recharge. Yeah. So I, um, I really like the metaphors because I think that there are some challenges when you have a chronic condition, uh, whether it's mental, physical health. Um, it can be difficult to articulate what's going on. And also people occasionally forget that they are not... Um, owed full disclosure about all the details. So I don't know about my fellow panelists, but I personally really like to keep my issues close to my chest. So this may be the first time I've ever admitted publicly to the entire laundry list. Um, I was saying, yeah, I don't like to talk about it. Um, people will sometimes engage with me differently. And usually it's kindly, but th that can come with some like... It can uh, trigger some judging. other things. Yeah, 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 it can. So I, I sort of keep it private. But if I can just use the shorthand, that's really helpful for me. And also I think it, it creates a sense of like, no matter what um, our diverse issues are, we all struggle with similar things. We have limitations. We have big passion for life. We want to engage, but we have to come up with different strategies for engagement. So one of my personal favorite metaphors, which I think actually summarizes my life choices better, is the matchbook theory, which is a bit of a riff on the spoon theory. That is, you have a certain number of matches in your matchbook for the day, and you may choose 
set them all on fire at once. Yes, sir. you like one and the rest just kind of catch, okay? Oh, that, that is a... So I often get this question, people will say, Madam, I don't know how you do it. You just seem to have all this boundless energy and you go, go, go all weekend and you do all these things. I'm like, don't talk to me on Monday. <laughs> I set my matchbook on fire for three days. I stole matches from the rest of the week. On Monday, I'm like, don't talk to me. And I'm definitely not English on Monday. So what are some tools that you found? Because we, we all of us do conventions. We all costume, and sometimes the costume is a tool, I think. But I'm interested in some of the other ways you found to manage engaging with coming to conventions and wearing costume and expending that energy. Uh, well, I, for one, also, the day after a con, don't talk to me. Um, it's that that is especially if I have to work the next the, that Monday the rest of the day is uh, no I cannot I cannot do the the most I could do is is probably sleep or if I need something really cathartic kill something on World of Warcraft um, but for the most part it's I, I, I just stay in bed I, I will I have to take that time to just rest, be off my feet, and not think, not ask, answer questions, not not wear a corset, not wear, you know. Uh, now that I'm, I actually work at home now, so it's like, I'll wear jammies that day to work. Nobody sees, but I'll be in jammies. Normally, that's not necessarily the case. I always get up, always shower, always do that, you know. Day after, I might not do all that. I will just. Well, each of those takes a spoon. So. Exactly, yeah. and I've got no spoons left. Um, uh, another thing that helps me is uh, I make lists. Lists help me um, stay focused, but and on track without, you know. Uh, and sometimes, if you can cross something off of a list, even if it's something so small. You might get at least half a spoon back. Oh, it helps so much. It helps me feel good. Say, I did something. Exactly. I accomplished something today. Exactly. Even if it's, you know, I took that shower, you know. Well, sometimes that's the matter of, let me write it down on the list after I already did it. That's okay. I'll that's do that. Okay. No, that, that that's counts. That right. totally to counts. There's still the accumulation of accomplishment. Yeah. I usually always have some type of notebook with me, even if it's a small one in a... Uh, it's not not as easy when I'm in costume, so, but uh, I always try to have some type of notebook with me for that reason. I think it's also about giving yourself grace, and I'm really terrible at it, but this is what I'm trying to do, about giving myself grace beforehand, about thinking I would love to bust out a new costume the night before because this would be so great! Or I really like this because it's really impressive. Or I really like to do this. But then also realizing that's going to cost too much in the morning. Or that's going to cost too much at the end of the day. So let me dial back. Let me do something a little bit more simple. And I might not get the reward that I would want out of it. But I'm going to have more energy. Or I'm going, 
I'm going to have more energy to, dis to dispense on the fun running around that I want to do. So giving myself grace for not being as big or as awesome or as impressive as I want to be in the moment is something I'm constantly working at, but I know that it's helpful for me moving forward. Because it's also a promise that I'm going to get better in the future when I have more spoons or when I give myself more time. This is a mantra I use sometimes, and it's, um, it's probably misquoted from that poem, Desiderata, but it's like, be gentle with yourself. You are no less a child of the universe than the trees are themselves. And I'm like, yeah, be gentle with yourself. I love the concept of asserting grace to yourself. It's a hard thing. It's something that you have to constantly come back to of, okay, in this instance, I should not push myself. Or in this instance, it's okay to not be where I want to be because that's where I'm moving forward to and that's not where I can right now. It's not giving up, that's giving yourself grace. Well, self-talk is an important um, tool, I think, when dealing with any of these things. And uh, Kristen, I'm gonna, I'm gonna brag a little bit, um, if you don't, follow Kristen's work with the mental health superheroes. I recommend following her social media. It's really wonderful, the kind of talk she gives um, and shares is a really great insight for some good self-talk about how to guide yourself honestly. I mean, you have to be honest, right? That's another tool, but to sort of derail the negative self-talk that can really easily creep in. I know for me, I'm a type A personality, shocking no one. And um, so my drive is always very high and my perfection desires are even higher than that. And so uh, I don't feel like I'm letting um, myself down necessarily, but I am letting down some ineffable creature who's expecting this high level of skill who doesn't exist but whatever the guilt still sets in and so i have to really derail that with like yes but madam did you see the last thing you made like you don't have to make a new costume every con when was your last day off you don't remember what's wrong with you what would you say to other people so i think the grace concept and that self-talk and trying to Reclaim honesty because um, a number of conditions uh, cause some sort of dishonesty, like they lie to us on the inside. So PTSD and anxiety disorder um, are big liars. They tell me lots of lies about the world and about how terrible I am and how terrible the world is. And so I need to derail them on a regular basis. Also, it's why I'm so neurotic. <laughs> I, uh, I, I too uh, am a little bit type A. Just a smidge. But um, I, you know, I, I mentioned I have a laundry list of autoimmune disorders. I have fibromyalgia, celiac disease, hypothyroid, I have Hashimoto, Hashimoto's, like this long, and I get migraines. So it's all sorts of fun stuff. Um, and a lot of it is pain. A lot of it is physical pain, which is mentally draining. And uh, one of the tools that I, and it has to do with that self-talk, is that I, I also have really big ideas. 
that I would really love to have implemented. And it's taken a very long time to learn how to release those ideas into the wild and let them happen somewhere else. Just to see it happen, number one, and to accept that maybe I'm not a part of that, but it, it my idea is now part of the world. So that, that, and that's hard. That's really hard to say, but I can touch it, you know? Um, that's one thing. Another thing is to take those big ideas and pare down and go, okay, what's not going to burn? So in one case, um, I really would love to own corsets and wear them because I think corsets are awesome. And I, I, I love what these ladies do. But one of the things is with fibromyalgia is one of the, one of the nerve lines in here are super sensitive. And if you have boning in most standard store-bought is right here under the arm. I can't have that. We had a talk. And I saved it. And we and she mon was able to modify a corset where there's no bone in here. It's here and here. So modifying the costumes so that I'm not hurting all the time. So the, the concept of beauty is pain or costume but pain. Grandma always says that. I mean, yeah. the but, of beauty. But when you when when you know you're you want to wear something amazing in your costuming. Um, another thing, I love heel boots. There is no way in hell I'm gonna ever be able to wear heel boots because more than like ten minutes because the pain will take all of those boots for the day. So I had to learn how to, to take the visions that I had, the ideas that I had, and find ways to accept when it's not going to be exactly what I think it should be. It's not perfect, which still bugs me to this day, but at least I'm not driving myself to be pure exhaustion just by wearing something that hurts. Um, and it's hard. Or letting it stop you. Or letting it stop, yeah. I, and it does, it does a lot. I mean, I right now I have no costumes because uh, I had some physical changes that now I have to come up with more adaptations. Um, I, look, I lost 50 pounds last year, and so all the corset stuff, that was not the goal. <laughs> I wanna say, it was like, I wanna stop hurting. And so diet modification was one of those things, but, um, that's the, the thing is, is that now all of those custom things that I put in place, I can no longer wear. So I have to go in that process again. And that's hard for me now, because I'm like, but I want to wear these costumes. I want to make these things. And I'm also in grad school, so I can't make the things right now. Um, and, and being able to forgive myself for not doing the things, it's like, oh man, that would have been perfect for this con. Know, or and not being in that um, that space that I I think I should be in. Um, I jump so on that. Yes, it is so hard. One of the things that my that a counselor that I saw said was that should is a four letter word. And let's ignore that that's actually six letters. But that concept of like should can be a profanity if it is hurting you. About this is where I should be. Well. It's not where you are. So is that something that you're capable of doing with effort? Or is that something that is, you know, a dissonance in your mind? And if that is holding you back, that you are feeling badly about yourself because of a should, 
we need to re-examine that with the lens of truth and, and say, this is where I am. This yeah, is, don't okay. should on yourself. Yeah, don't mm -hmm. should on yourself. <laughs> so a thing that I, I love that, don't should on yourself, and to sort of dovetail a thing I think is really helpful for me is um, feelings are facts. They do not necessarily reflect reality. So I have to accept that I feel a certain way. Maybe I do feel disappointed or frustrated or guilty. Okay, it's really good if I to use some, you know, lingo, process those feelings. Um, you can imagine with PTSD, I don't process feelings super well. Um, but that doesn't mean they are reflective of the truth of the real world. So being able to use the lens of reality or truth to help sort of defang those feelings or the shoulds in my head or some people talk about them as like invisible judges there are lots of metaphors for that inner weight that we may keep on ourselves as though there's some judge out in the world who's like ladies your cosplay game is not up to snuff Tuscan will not love you anymore. Oh, there's no one at Tuscan who's going to be like sad with our cosplays, or at Tucson Comic Con, or at Phoenix Fan Fusion, or at literally any event that we go to, right? But I still feel like I'm going to fail someone, namely myself. And so I have to acknowledge the feeling, but look for the truth of the situation. I, like that. I, was, I was just, oh, go ahead. Oh, that's just, um, and one of the things that helps with that is a support structure um, that you can be honest with. Um, it's like, they can be that voice sometimes that you're fighting to control, but sometimes you need just a little bit extra or a different perspective to help you see that honestly. Um, and that that helps I think especially if you're dealing with negative self-talk or intrusive thoughts or um, things that are in your head that may or may not be true it's really really hard to argue with yourself it is um, and it's really really hard not to you know if your talk is saying like your costumes not good enough you're not good enough your life is not good enough whatever and it's really hard if that's just a constant running thread in your head. But sometimes when you're having that argument, all you need to do is just recognize that it's not true and say, that is a lie. Or, you know, like if you're thinking, no one loves me. Well, that's not true. Well, whatever. And you don't have to argue. You don't have to have this conversation of, of, of justifying yourself to something that's not true in your head. All you need to do is just say no. That's not true. No, that's not true. And sometimes that's all that that's a long rebuttal, but eventually, just like if you're dealing with, you know, child yard bullies, then if that's all you're saying to yourself of no, that is not true. No, I'm not going to engage in that thought any longer because it is not true, that voice will lose power because you're not giving power, you're not letting it suck up that mental energy. And I think when you are having chronic pain it can, or chronic health issues, it um, 
can work hand in hand with any sorts of mental things. As you said, pain saps the energy. And so it can sap your ability to have that conversation. It can sap your ability to look at the reality. So having a support system is very helpful. So uh, I feel a little spoiled. Uh, these ladies are all part of my support network, but also there's several of you in the audience who helped me out. And I think a bunch of you saw that Dirk and his wife, Laura, actually just descended and brought me like a kit. And they're like, drink all of these things. So my, my last two years, I've learned to say yes. I will do what you say because you're my support network and you know. So I just, they hand me drinks and I drink them. Um, so you have to have that trust with your support network too. And to accept help. Yeah. And it's very, very hard. And, and, um, and I, my, my upbringing was, was, uh, was such that, uh, you, you know, if you're not independent and willing to accept help that you, you, you or you're, you, you're, you're not supposed to need help for things. Um, so accepting help is like huge and it's, it takes years. It takes years to get over that kind of programming that you get. Um, just to, to, one of the things, yeah. One of the things for, for me, the, one of the big things for me that it is still, that I'm still kind of wrestling with is, um, what it, I just wanted to describe what it looks like to be a, a creative person with ADHD is my, I have, I have a room in my house with projects that are 5, 10, 15 years old that are incomplete. Um, and previous to my current living situation, I do not have a safe space to kind of process and accept whether or not I was finishing things in a timely fashion. Um, and and that having that safe space is, is pretty amazing. And that's what you're talking about support system is having people who are like, okay, so you didn't finish the animatronic, you know, tentacle cosplay that you planned on making for four conventions ago. You know, four years ago, and you've got all the pipe cut up and, and everything. So you didn't finish it that time. At some point, you'll either finish that or you'll use that for something else. It's it, it's it's the the creative brain going. Okay, the idea is there. You started it. Don't feel guilty about not finishing it right now because nobody else. You didn't promise anybody else you were going to have that done for that convention. Or and, and, and placing priority more on, okay, what is gonna make me feel good for this event? What is gonna help me do these, and it's not just events, it's anything, you know, from, from creating something for yourself or your family. So um, being creative and being able to accept that maybe you don't finish or maybe it's not exactly what you had in your head. Um, and I think everybody struggles with that a little bit. I think it's harder with, um, when you're, when you're dealing with chronic issues that come up, you're not gonna get things done perhaps in the same timeline as what would be expected. 
understanding that it's not a reflection right it's not a reflection who you are as a person your goodness um you're not a failure you're not um it's just it wasn't that project's time yes so to expand the metaphor could it be said that having a sport system gives you more spoons it can sometimes it right sometimes they loan them they loan them it feels like you borrow spoons i had a i had a friend who is no longer with us who um who was an amazing uh, uh, seamstress and costumer, and uh, she had made something. She'd been working really hard, and one day she called up, just in tears. And this isn't costumer related; it's not creative related. But she had completely run out of spoons, and the freezer was completely frozen over. And she's in the kitchen, just bawling. And um, so another friend and I came over with our ice picks and our hammers, and lent her our spoons and we took care of them for her. Little things like that that because she had she had done all this stuff, she had used up what she had and this one task was left and and just being able to call somebody and say, hey, I can't fix the freezer today and I need to because it's not getting any better. Or I you know the I can't deal with the calling the plumber or, you know, whatever. It could be anything, but having just somebody you can trust to be able to. So, Temperance, you, oh, there's another question. Yes, oh, please. Oh, you. I was going to, to, to add, I just saw something running around, a meme running around the internet about the, the fork, the fork theory. Oh, fork theory. The universe stabs you. Oh. Yeah, that, yeah, that the universe. So, so sometimes you drop your bottle of shampoo in the shower. Well, crap. Oh. You have to bend down and pick it up. And then the coffee maker overflows. Well, crap. The coffee. Now I don't get my coffee. And then there's traffic on the way to work. Just the lower your spoons, the lo the lower your ability to deal with the forks. And that the, the, that that things that for one person yep. would be a tiny little thing might become magnified both by the mindset that you're in and your physical resources and your mental resources and your emotional resources. Well, and that tiny little thing first thing in the morning would have been manageable, but now but, it's here in mm -hmm. late afternoon and all these other things have yep. happened to you. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the concept of resiliency, right? Like right. that rubber band. If I'm being stretched by the stresses or the difficulties of my life and then we let go, Ideally, your rubber band will just go right back to the same size, right? We're still going to be able to stretch and accommodate, and then oh, and then mine's snap been sun dried for right. You <laughs> <laughs> just kind of have a crusty old rubber band, right? And you know, we have different levels, and we'll have different levels at different stages of our lives, and different days, different mornings, different times of the day, right? Just because your crusty sun dried rubber band right now doesn't mean that you're always going to be or that there are different things that you might be more resilient to accomplishing, right? And so it can be really difficult when, especially if you're dealing with someone who's neurotypical that doesn't quite understand that or doesn't have that same level of, of stress, um, to say, I don't understand why you're not bouncing back or this should be more important. I'm a foster parent, so it's so easy to judge you know, the, the, the parents and say, why are you not making every single effort to, to do what you need to do? And so stepping back and realizing, well, I'm not in that place. I have these things. Some of us don't have an entourage, 
right? Some of us are really, really coming at it by ourselves. And so when you're feeling like you are so lonely, when you don't have that trusted person that you can call up and reach out, that's when it's so important to kind of use one of your spoons to find somebody, to scoop somebody up. And maybe that is finding a professional. Maybe that's finding services, right? And I know I've dealt with individuals and I felt that way in the past of why would I want to seek somebody who's a stranger? I want somebody who knows me and loves me and understands me with my difficulties. And recognizing maybe the people that are in your immediate circle can't provide that service for you. And you can't demand, you know, give me your spoon, I need it. Right? No, you and can't. that actually yeah. brings up another point is, is that um, the forgiveness also goes to being able to say no. Yeah. I don't have the spoons to give you. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and because self-preservation is a thing, you, you know. Uh, and, and, and um, yeah, absolutely. Being able to reach out and find somebody else. If you, but even that's difficult. I mean, oh, I, absolutely. You know, it, 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 that requires a, a spoon as well or a couple mm-hmm. of spoons. Maybe um, a whole box. Yes. Oh. Yes. A whole magical. but that investment right is worth it and maybe you know the first time you grab somebody especially like if somebody's dealing with suicidal ideation or depression or like these these things that are in their head that keep you from speaking out that that effort of saying I am feeling this way that first person that you talk to might not be the person that can support you and really difficult because you're like I need that support and that person not is not capable of doing that that doesn't mean that that action that expenditure of that spoon is not a worthy thing it just means you need to go and find a different bucket to pull to pull from it's also really important to have more than one support person yes um, because in my life I have a lot of different people for different situations so one person may be more sympathetic to whatever I'm dealing with on Tuesday and then whatever is happening with me on Wednesday, another person might be more suitable for that situation. Um, not everybody is as lucky as I am to have as many people on my corner, but I think it's really important, um, not just for yourself, but for that support person, because if that person doesn't have the spoons to deal with my lack of spoons, I could be robbing them of their spoons. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then I won't have that resource anymore. They will, uh, I deal with mental illness and sometimes when I'm in my depressive state, my people go away until I feel better. Either because I have exhausted them previously and they're just like, oh, no, 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 no. Or, you know, I, I, no, I don't know. They, or they are dealing with something themselves and they just don't have the resources. So that is sort of, made me kind of branch things out a little bit. It's a wise observation. Yeah. I think that's why we kind of need to build a community of people around ourselves. Because I know I taught with you around it. Because, um, yeah, I'm ADHD and I'm obsessive and I'm emotional and yada, yada, yada. So if you have a conflict with me, it's because I have the society's creative mechanism and my musical friend and my writing friend and I can bounce between them. And I think that finding the people in this community is really vital for survival. Well, and we're, I mean, this is, this, this 
this is an example of a place where I think, and, and you know, I kind of grew up in, in Tuscon. Um, my first Tuscon, I was 12. I'm 46 now. So, same age as the con. Um, but um, community in, I think, in, in, in fandom um, is, I've, I've noticed, and it's not, it's not across the board, but I, I like to think that we're a little more forgiving of uh, each other. And um, it may not be necessarily be that anybody's available to, to give you that extra spoon. But there will people be people to be there and go. We understand, you sure. know. Um, I'm sorry, I can't help you right now, but I will listen. That's all I, you know. That's all I can give you. Um, but um, yeah, it's just the one of the things that um, that you brought up is the being the difficulty talking to somebody who is neurotypical. Um, I, I, my family is, I have a couple of people in my family have Asperger's, I have ADHD. Communication is different. I think I've married the most neurotypical person I've ever met. Um, and one of the things that, one of the challenges has been explaining why I, my brain does certain, why I do things in a certain way or why I forget to do certain things. Um, and it's not that one, the, the safe place is, uh, and like you were saying, kind of pulling pulling back from being judgmental, is I got really lucky that he doesn't judge. He just asks, okay, well, why, why this? And then I can explain, well, I got distracted with this thing, that's why I didn't do that. I completely forgot I was working on X, Y, and Z. Because my brain is doing 50 million things at once, and who's shiny, oh, I'm going through the box, sorting it, and look at the photos. You know, so, so, and I was supposed to be vicious an hour ago. You know, so having that forgiveness from a, a friend or a partner is helpful. Um, and it's also helped me work through my own forgiveness. So if, if you know somebody who is dealing with something and, and even if they can't answer why, you know, I just understand the ADHD, which is how I can explain that. But even if, 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 if you can't explain that, um, giving a, being able to step back and give a little bit of okay I'm not in their head I'm, I so I don't know for sure don't take things personally so uh, jumping in a little bit um, someone like to explain neurotypical for people in the room who may not know what were what that term means neurotypical neurotypical oh okay so I mean in your mind if you've got a normal healthy thought process right? An average level of resiliency, an average, you know, kind of like the sexual harassment training, we're like, would a, a normal, reasonable person think this way, right? This is what society at large believes. And so if you've got a mental illness or a physical illness or um, just a difficult time, like just if you're in grief, your mind and your thought process is not going to be firing the same way that a typical average person would. Many neurotypical people are very sympathetic, right? Have, they might have sympathy and say, oh, okay, I recognize that you're experiencing something different than me and I have some sympathy for you. I don't understand it, I haven't been there, 
but I can I can be sympathetic for you, right? Versus somebody who's kind of been there, and whether that's saying, well, I also have this diagnosis, or I also have these um, mental reactions or thought processes, right? They can have empathy because they've been there with you, and so, and and sometimes somebody who's not neurotypical might, you know, somebody even that has your same diagnosis might not process or think about it. The and they same might way. have different coping mechanisms. Right. They might have different ways of managing things. Mm-hmm. And so, so, just recognizing that we all. The, the meat jelly inside of our head works differently. And, <laughs> and we all have different tools in our toolbox. I like to call it the mental health utility belt, right? Just like Batman, he's not going to pull out shark repellent for everything. He's going to pull out a grappling hook when he needs to get up high, right? We have different tools, and sometimes that tool is a person, and sometimes that tool is a coping skill, or that sometimes that tool is grace, or sometimes we've got... Sometimes that tool is vitamin. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes it's tea yeah. um, so I wanted to talk about tools a little bit um, and also bring it around to how cosplay may have helped us and being part of a creative community may have been a help um, and um, address some things that came up so just one thing that I found very useful is to check in with my friends and say do you have enough spoons today? And I have friends who do the same with me. Do you have enough spoons today to talk about this? And so we're on the same page and we can kind of, you know, judge. And that gives person to consent in to being a support, which is kind of taking consent a little bit broader, but very helpful. Um, another thing I like just escapes my brain because that's, where I'm at. So we'll we'll come back. Oh, uh, questions. Temperance mentioned questions. So another thing I find very helpful is not to ask a lot of questions when someone is having a hard time and not be very vague or to, for me, I know where I'm at. So when I'm helping, I do the thing that I need until someone says that doesn't work for them. And so when I'm having a rough time, I'm having a panic attack, or an anxiety attack, they're different. Um, I can't answer a lot of questions. And the worse it is, the fewer questions I can answer. And the more questions I'm asked, the worse it gets until I am completely non-functional, which fortunately, almost none of you have ever seen that happen, but temperance has. And um, so I try and say, I can do your dishes. Would you like that? I can do your dishes this morning. Is that okay? I give a very concrete thing and I check in. And so that's not like a, just tell me what you need. How could I help you? What's going on? Call me anytime. You know, if I'm having a crisis, I can't call somebody anytime. If I'm having a crisis, I don't know what I need. Yeah, sometimes people don't, can't reach out. Right. Yeah. So I need specifics and fewer questions, typically when I'm having a rough time. So I try and be very concrete and sort of check in. So what are, those are some of my tools I like. What are tools that you specifically like that help you? You need to start down at Kristen and give everybody a chance to answer. The one that I'm utilizing most is priorities. And it's very difficult because again, I've got the shoulds in my head, uh, but I have to have a priority in my head of okay, 
the most important thing that I need to be spending my spoons on first is taking care of the baby in my home, right? And so sometimes that means I'm not as effective in the job I have as well, or I'm not as effective in cleaning up the house or whatever. But, you know, so like in October, my project was dressing up every single day and coming up with the post. That was my two things. I've got to care for the, the physical safety of this baby and I've got to get a picture and a post and about everything else fell away. And I'm still recovering in my house because of that. Uh, but those were the two things. And so having it very well articulated in my head and my heart, and sometimes you gotta write that down or however you put that down, it says, this is number one priority. This is the number two priority. Everything else I'll get to it when I get to it. And that has been the tool that has kept me focused. Um, the second thing, the tool, the mental process that I've that I've gone through that's very helpful is releasing it for later, right? There are many things in my life that I don't have the ability to make choices on or that I can't, you know, it, it's so hard to get stuck in that I can't. I'm not there, I can't do anything, I can't move forward. And so part of that is I have to say, no, I can't right now. I'm not gonna think about that until a year from now. We're not going to make any decisions on this particular thought process for one year. So when that comes up, I'm going to think about it and be like, okay, I'm recognizing I'm thinking about that right now, but I have to release that until next May. Or, um, you know, I cannot process. I've run out of spoons. I've run out of mental processes right now. I can't think about that until the weekend or until after October or until coming up with the deadline and saying, great, I'm thinking about that again this is when I'm going to tackle that project. And that's really hard to release. And sometimes you can't do that because there's like an actual deadline that you must meet. But if you can, if there's something that's weighing on that's just giving a lot of anxiety but you're not capable of digging into it, say, can't do it right now. I'm releasing it to this time. And that's what I do. And sometimes it works. Uh, for me, I also, uh, you, you have to prioritize because the things that like no I have to go to work if I don't have you know uh, just to be able to you know food and rent and you know uh, those types of things so I will prioritize those um, and those tasks for work but then other than that it's like um, a lot of times it's like I'll just go to my husband you know just hold me and tell me everything's gonna be okay you know not that to try and get him to fix anything or you know because it's not possible but sometimes that reassurance is all you need to just give you a little bit back of a spoon and then it's one step at a time you can do one thing do it and it gets you back just one step activity is the antidote to despair yes the thoughts we think determine the quality of our lives. Yes, ma'am. Okay, so my attention span honestly is 11 minutes, but I can set a timer for 15 minutes and do something for 15 minutes. And so, like, what you're saying right now that just kind of, like, really strikes the court. If I can do something for 11 minutes, a baby step, it's so much better. Um, one of the, we are, uh, um, we are, so um, we're pretty much at the end, but I wanted to give each of you a, um, 
brief moment to say a way that cosplay has helped you with your challenges. Because we've talked a lot about the tools and the struggle, but what's a positive that cosplay has done for you? Creating a community. Any way you can create a community will expand your network, will expand your spoons, will expand what you can do. So that's the number one way is, is the community. But also, anything where you make something that was not in the world beforehand, that's a physical proof that you did something, you mattered. Even if it's like a pile of hot glue crap, right? I made that, I did that. That is in the world because I did that. And that can feel really good if you recognize it. Yeah, it provides a creative outlet for me, but um, I'm also painfully shy, <laughs> horribly shy, um, and it's allowed me to be more open. Extroverted. People come up to you because you're wearing a costume and tell you how awesome it is. Uh -huh. Or just That's that, conversation. that I can be something that I'm not, you know. Outgoing because of the costume. I community I think is the big thing that I that I get from it um, the creative outlet I have a zillion costume or other creative projects that I've made lists trying to be like maybe I'll get it you know and it's it, you know like that pile of stuff that's not done yet it's like oh another thing another thing um, and uh, it, that that gives me something to look forward to um, I can I actually go to sleep at night thinking about how to put things together for stuff because that calms me and keeps my brain from running on other negative things. So, um, we'll probably talk about this more panel tomorrow called By the Power of Cosplay. <laughs> Apparently, I had a theme this year when I was coming up with the costuming track. Um, but for me, it's very important Madame Askew does not have PTSD. Madame Askew does not have panic attacks, and Askew does not have an anxiety disorder. So whilst I am playing Madame Askew, I am insulated to a degree from uh, the horrible things that happened that gave me those issues. And it's very nice to step into a person and to play that role where I can leave the darkness behind and really celebrate the joy and the goodness of the world. So. All right, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for being up. Thanks to our wonderful panelists. Um, it's so good to be with all of you. You are my dearest community, and I love you all. Right. And now I've only had four hours of sleep, so I'm going to go to bed. I'm good. Thanks. Yes. I murdered all of those liquids. Even though minor sports, but still. Thank you for listening to the Creative Play and Podcast Network. And feel free to enjoy our other shows, such as D&D Journey of the Fifth Edition and Scion Ragnarok and Roll, a Scion hero to Ragnarok story. Thank you for listening.